an Iowa joke. I don't know if I've ever heard an Iowa joke. I've, I've got this theory about that. Okay. People from Minnesota make fun of people from Iowa. People from Iowa make fun of people from Nebraska. People from Wisconsin make fun of people from Illinois. And the world makes fun of people from Wisconsin. <laughs> That's pretty good. Welcome to You Are the Guest, a weekly show where you can be the guest and tell people what you and your friends and neighbors think about news events and issues of the day. It's part talk show, part opinion poll, part reality show, and a whole lot of fun. And it's completely dependent upon your participation as a guest. To be considered as a guest for a future show, check out the website at www.youaretheguest.com for details. Now here is your program host, Bill Grady. Greetings from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa, and welcome to show number 42 of You Are the Guest, the show where we talk to everyday people just like you and me about their lives and about the issues of the day. Our guest today is from Chicago, Illinois. Mark, welcome to You Are the Guest. Well, thank you, Bill. Mark, what would you like our audience to know about you? Um, well, I think if anybody... Um kind of knows me from the podcast, uh, podosphere, as they call it. Um, You may know that uh, I am a a private pilot, um, something I wanted to do my whole life, and uh, recently was able to to pursue. Um, It's it's not cheap, but uh, you only live once. And um, there were a couple things that kind of motivated me to do that. Uh, One was uh, one of my friends was killed in a car accident um, a couple years ago, and that really kind of kind of drove home the point that you only live once. Um, the other thing, kind of funny, was that uh, in the middle of the night one night, uh, Mayor Daley of Chicago uh, closed Miggs Field by directing bulldozers out onto the field and carving huge X's into it. And that really kind of pissed me off because when I was a kid playing flight simulator, you always started at Miggs Field in Chicago, and it was always my dream once I got my pilot's license to actually land at Miggs. Um, and uh, since that was kind of taken away from me, I kind of I decided that, well, I better hurry up and get my pilot's license before, say, the right to fly an airplane is taken away from me completely. Um, so that kind of motivated me. Uh, other things, um, you know, I'm a computer guy. Uh, I uh, I've got a passing interest in skydiving. I did that once, and I'd like to do that again. Um, married, have a kid on the way. Uh, first kid. Uh, is due in August, and uh, that should be a little girl, if the ultrasound is correct. Well, congratulations in advance. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And other things, I don't know. I I grew up hunting. I don't do it so much anymore, but uh, once a year I go deer hunting with my dad and uh, sister and the rest of, you know, my mom doesn't get into it. My wife doesn't get into it, but we've got a regular group that we we hunt with up in Wisconsin. Um, What part of Wisconsin? Uh, way up northwest uh, by Rice Lake Hayward area. Oh um, yeah, very yeah. nice. Yeah, it's uh, my grandparents retired up there, and then uh, my parents bought some land, and then they wound up buying the house that my my grandparents were in, and then my uncle bought some land up there. So we've got kind of a little uh, compound <laughs> sort of up there. We've got a lot of a lot of places to hunt, and by now we we know a lot of people and that kind of stuff up there. A lot of friends. So, are you originally from the Chicago area? Yeah, I actually, I grew up in the northwestern suburbs, um, 
and then went to college in uh, in Evanston, which is directly north of Chicago. Um, and then after that, uh, when I was done with school, I actually moved up to the house in Wisconsin for about a year and a half, and you know lived on on like forty dollars a month. Uh, in the middle of the woods doing very little. <laughs> and then I wound up moving back to, uh, back to this, you know, my parents' house in the suburbs. Um, and then, uh, moved in with my girlfriend in Chicago. And then we moved to one of the other in near suburbs. And now we live, uh, actually right now I live about halfway between Chicago and Milwaukee, um, right along the lake, a uh, little, little city called Zion, uh, was a planned community, uh, has, uh, a retired nuke plant. It's really an interesting little area. <laughs> a retired nuke plant. Yes. Yeah, so does um, the place glow at night or? Uh, no. Three-eyed I mean, fish or? City. or no, no, no three-eyed fish. <laughs> Two-tailed squirrels or anything like that. No, nothing like that. Nothing obvious. Although you know, downstate from us, they they did actually uh, discover that they they had some. Uh, I think it's what is it, trit tritium or tritium or something like that. They had leaking for quite a while. Uh, luckily, we haven't heard of anything like that from this one, but uh, you never know. That kind of scares me. Nothing obvious. <laughs> well, you know, we didn't have a three-mile island or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, one one thing that's kind of interesting is that um, the way I understand the story is that um, the EPA or whoever, the community or whoever, was trying for years to get, Commonwealth Edison to shut the plant down and you know they had a permit I think it was through 2008 or something like that and uh, you know they fought off all these lawsuits and, and they said no we're going to keep it open we're going to keep it open and then finally they kind of got to a point where they, they won so to speak they, they won whatever battles were against them and things kind of quieted down and then kind of out of the blue they said uh, we're going to close the plant now <laughs> so that always kind of makes me wonder if you know there's a you know there's always a reason, but it kind of makes me wonder what that reason was that they decided to, to decommission it early. Um, and really, when they when when they pulled out, it it threw the town for a loop because Commonwealth Edison was the primary source of tax income in the community, and that was gone pretty quickly. Um, so the, the last uh, ten years or so have been a, a rebuilding for for the town of Zion, and um, coming out of it pretty well. And it's not been listed on eBay or anything. No, no, it has not. Maybe you could sell it to the Iranians. They're looking for something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're just yeah, saying, they... hey, you know, we want something peaceful. I got an idea. Why don't we sell them the nuclear plant in Zion? Yeah, we just, just crank it or create it up and send it on over. That's right. You know, here's how we can guarantee that you're not going to make nuclear bombs. You can yeah. have one of our old power plants. What I always love about about nuke plants is they always seem to be in the, the strangest named places. I mean, Zion, you know, Chernobyl, uh, which, of course, means wormwood, and, you know, there's a whole biblical connection there. Uh, Dresden is another plant around here. Uh, I I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know how they pick where they're going to put a plant, but I think it has to do with the name of the town. It's got to be an ominous or, or biblical name. Right. So it's like uh, pick a name from one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> right. Right. Let's put a plant there. Or oh, I got a better idea. Just put a plant in Badger, Iowa. <laughs> well, there, there's a name for you, Badger, Iowa. Badger, Iowa. Yeah, that's a good one. So you went to school in Evanston. Yeah, Northwestern University. Pretty liberal college, huh? 
Yes. Yeah. That that I you know like I said I grew up with Ronnie Reagan in the house and uh, then went to a very liberal uh, liberal arts college. Do so, they? Yeah. That that threw me for some curves. But did, uh, did they look at you kind of funny and saying, "Okay, what planet did you come from?" You know what? I I'm actually I blend in pretty well. <laughs> so yeah, I you know I butted heads a couple times, but uh, you know it was it was nothing really uh, nothing really major. Um, I personally, I've I've always been kind of a pretty neutral kind of a I've been called a fence rider more than once because uh, you know I kind of kind of hang right around the middle as far as uh, politics are concerned. Um, but so, I, I think that's most people. Most people are yeah, moderate. I agree. I agree. It's it's um, only the people that are on television that are the loony left or the extreme right. Right. I think one of the, as far as kind of culture shocks, um, one of the biggest things that was kind of a shock to me was uh, um, being liberal as far as, you know, homosexuality, that kind of stuff. Um, in my house, it was never really talked about, but in, you know, as far as the high school I grew up in and that kind of stuff, I mean, no good. It was, you know, it, it was really, it, it wasn't good. <laughs> you, you made fun of them. You, you, I, we didn't ever beat, beat anybody up, but, you know, it was it wasn't a welcoming environment by any stretch. Uh, and then to go to a college where, you know, they had the, uh, you know, had their Begala or whatever the organization, I think that's what the organization was called. And, you know, that kind of stuff really kind of, uh, you know, made me more accepting. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a very accepting person as far as that's concerned now. And I'm, I'm glad for that because, you know, uh, life is too short to, to hate somebody because of who they like. <laughs> What's your definition of a bleeding heart liberal? A bleeding heart liberal. Um, I don't have a firm definition. I don't think a whole lot about politics. Um, it's too much like grabbing sand to me. Um, but, so I don't... but you would know one if you saw one. Yeah, my I would say uh, my definition of one is somebody who... And it's probably just a, an extreme uh, conservative is kind of the same. Is somebody who starts calling names and, uh, say, ripping on somebody's point of view before actually hearing their argument or their actual position. Um, and, you know, they, they think that their way is the only way um, and everything should be given away for free and that kind of stuff. Um, and it's not a firm definition, but... Yeah, I know one when I see one. <laughs> Have you ever had dreams about flying? Yes. <laughs> yes, I have, and I've actually fulfilled a good number of them. Have those dreams been with an airplane, or have you had dreams of flying without an airplane or some other contraption? Uh, both, actually. Um, the the I haven't had a whole lot of flying outside of an airplane dreams. But uh, one, and I think it's probably the, the oldest one that I have, is I remember cruising through my, my junior high school, um, you know, just above, like, what your, you know, your normal eyeball height would be. But uh, I was flying down the hallways, you know, just above the locker height, I guess. And just going down, you know, cruising down the hallways pretty quick and, you know, making the corners and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, but I've, I've, had, I've had both kinds. <laughs> Describe to me your first flight. My uh, commercial or small plane or? Small plane. Okay. Where you're, uh, you're the pilot. Okay. I 
first of all, I wanted to I wanted to fly for a long time, um, ever since I was a kid, and I kind of put it off for various reasons. Um, when I got done with college, um, I kind of had the time and money where I thought I was going to get started, and so I took what was called what is called a discovery flight. Um, and if you go to beapilot.com, you can actually download a or print out a coupon, and for it's like 50 bucks or something like that, you can go take what they call a discovery flight. Um, there was a little bit of confusion when I actually booked it and went to go take that flight at uh, Schaumburg Airport uh, just outside Chicago. And they thought that I was there for my first lesson, and, and I had told them I was there for this you know, cheapo discovery flight. So since the, since the instructor thought it was my first lesson, he let me take off, he let me fly, he you know, took an entire hour with me in the air, and, uh, and you know, when it came time to pay up, and I only you know, presented this coupon for $50, they thought that they were getting ripped off. <laughs> but as far as the flight itself, it was, it was, it's really hard to describe. I mean, when you're rolling down the runway and the engine's making all kinds of noise, and, and you know, the plane kind of bumps around a little bit, because um, the thing is, you know, smaller than a Honda Civic, uh, so it gets bumped around pretty good, and you pull back on the yoke, and the next thing you know, everything is smooth. You know, the engine's still making a whole lot of noise, but uh, you know, you hear the wind noise picking up, and the the, the roughness from the ground just smooths right out, and you kind of get those butterflies down in your stomach. There's really nothing like it. I mean, the the earth just falls away, and uh, it's just it's a really cool feeling. What are gas prices like today? Gas prices are pretty bad um and uh i'll tell you they're they're pretty much doubled for uh for airplane gas for avcas so um whatever you pay at the pump for your car it's roughly double that for uh gas for an airplane and i'm not asking anybody to cry for me or anything like that i'm just just pointing that out but um i'm kind of lucky in that uh my employer pays for my gas <laughs> but I still, you know, obviously my wife's car uh, we got to pay for and that kind of stuff. And so I definitely noticed the, the crunch out there. And obviously, you know, costs of various things go up with the, with the cost of gas. What are people around the office talking about as far as national issues? Are, are, is gas price one of those or is it terrorism or is it what are people talking about when it comes to national news? I've got a, I've got a, very strange little office. I mean, the the actual office I work in, there's probably seven people. Um, but for the most part, as far as national issues, um, you know, we've got one person who, anytime the topic of you know gay marriage or gay rights of any kind come up, you know, she's got she's got the smart ass comment or the joke or the you know next thing they're gonna, you know they're going to want to marry me and you know it's you know that kind of ridiculous thing that just makes you roll your eyes. Um, and, and you know other big issues i don't like i said they don't really come up too much how has airport security changed in the past 5 years um commercial airports i think everybody knows how that's changed um and you know maybe there's some good coming out of it i i i'm with everybody else in feeling frustration at at uh, you know waiting sometimes forever to get through the lines, and yet other times the security lines go really quick, and you kind of wonder what one place is doing different from the other, and if one's more effective than the other. As far as small airports, um, 
ever since September. Now, I like I said, I I've had my license only two years, and uh, it's been about six months longer than that that I uh, that I've been hanging out at airports a lot. Um, so October of uh, what was that, 2003. Um, but I do know that uh, the AOPA, which is the um, um, Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, um, they are a great big lobby in Washington. And um, they kind of proactively put in a program to, it's kind of like your neighborhood watch program. It's like airport watch. Um, where they kind of, before Congress or anybody said, we're going to lock down these small airports, the AOPA came up with this program and said, we are going to police our own airports. Um, and what exactly that means depends on different airports. Uh, regional airports, like where they would fly biz jets into and that kind of stuff, um, that might include you know, putting up a bigger fence or actually putting up a fence for the first time, um, having having security checkpoints as far as who can get on the field and that kind of stuff. At smaller airports, it's much more of the neighborhood watch feel and, you know, it's ask questions of people you don't recognize, you know, not necessarily be confrontational, but say, you know, what are you doing here? Are you interested in learning to fly? Are you looking for somebody? You know, that kind of stuff. Can you uh, speak to, English? Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you do have to speak English to uh, to be a pilot in the, uh, the United States airspace system. So if they can't speak English and they're getting behind the yoke, then, yeah, you should have some concerns. What's the big local news story of the day? You know, well, one, you know, local as far as very local is uh, the mayor of uh, Round Lake Park, Illinois, recently passed away. And like I said, we're kind of keeping an eye on how that power shift shakes out. The other one, as far as the greater Chicago area um, that may have even made national news, is uh, about this guy who, um, in a fit of strangeness, uh, killed his daughter, who I forget how old she was, like six or eight years old, because he thought that she was the devil. So he stabbed her a bunch of times and stuck stuck her head in a toilet, um, and then very calmly walked downstairs and um, told the neighbors or told his wife that he had to go to the hospital or something, you know, something like that. It was it's a very bizarre case of uh, somebody just snapping, pretty much. How's your state government doing? Uh, we've got <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, state government has. Uh, uh, the current government is okay. Our, our past government is facing issues. Uh, Secretary of State uh, um, Jim Ryan uh, recently had a trial that he didn't come out of so well. A uh, bit of a corruption scandal. And what was the local reaction to that? Uh, I really haven't heard anybody say. Actually, uh, as far as um, you know, people I work with, that kind of stuff, I think the most common reaction was, you know, kind of it's no surprise um, that's unfortunately that's kind of how government is accepted around here you know you've heard I'm sure you've heard of the Daily Machine in Chicago and you know not just this Mayor Daly but but his father uh, Mayor Daly back in the 60s um, you know they just kind of had a way of getting things done um, that you know may make raise some questions from time to time Mark, here are the final five questions. What's the worst job you've ever had and why? Probably my first job, and that was uh, 
I worked uh, when I was in high school. I worked part time in a shoe store, um, and the reason why it was the worst job was just that it was there was nothing redeeming about it, um, other than uh, my, the one friend that I worked with and a couple other halfway decent people that I that I met working there. Um, you know, there's you're you're trying on you're fitting people's feet for shoes. You're going in the back to look for a size that you know you don't have, but you have to tell them you're going to look just to make the you know make it look like you're making the effort. Um, you know, it's it's mentally deadening. There's you know there's no puzzles to solve or anything like that. You either have the shoes or you don't, or they fit or they don't. Um, and you know, of course, being a high school student, you were you know expected to work you know, holidays and Sundays and Saturdays and never get your homework done and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it was it was probably the worst, I would say. And I've had some interesting jobs. I've, I've uh, you know, thrown hay bales around for farmers and uh, I've worked heating and air conditioning as kind of a gopher. But those at least had some kind of uh, a challenge, something that I could learn. Um, or if nothing else, they were a physical challenge. But, but a shoe store salesman, there's really not much to it. No offense to anybody that makes their living as a shoe salesman. And I'm sure you've experienced some interesting smells. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, although I produce some interesting smells of my own, so I can't really, can't really point fingers there. <laughs> Do you know any Iowa or Wisconsin jokes you could share with us today? Um, Wisconsin jokes. Those are almost too easy. Uh, <laughs> um, an Iowa joke. I don't know if I've ever heard an Iowa joke. I've, I've got this theory about that. Okay. People from Minnesota make fun of people from Iowa. People from Iowa make fun of people from Nebraska. Pe oh, okay. People from Wisconsin make fun of people from Illinois. And the world makes fun of people from Wisconsin. <laughs> That's pretty good. So any yeah. any Wisconsin jokes or Iowa jokes? Um, I I actually know more jokes from the point of view of Wisconsin, and I, they're kind of off color. So I don't know if you want me to. <laughs> what do you think is a fair price for a gallon of gasoline? A fair price for a gallon of gasoline. Um, that's a tough question because you know even though here in the states. We're used to paying. We were used to paying, you know, somewhere in the dollar range, dollar and a half or whatever, for quite a while. All along, it's been, you know, pretty expensive in other parts of the world. You know, Europe, for example. Uh, my wife and I went to Ireland for our honeymoon, and uh, that was right after September 11th. And although the price, the gas prices here, had gone, you know, obviously went up after that. Um, over there, they went up even, or they were even higher, you know than here even just to start with so it's it's kind of tough to say when you especially when you throw the word fair in there <laughs> because i might say a buck fifty but um you know people in other parts of the world might think that we aren't paying our fair share now you listen to podcasts all the time correct you... yeah i listen to a lot actually i listen to less now because my eye river is kind of broken but uh i still listen when i can on my laptop because you've been such an avid listener, what advice could you give to someone that's starting their own show? Well, the first thing is to, kind of like everybody else says, just to just do it. Um, but now we're getting to the point where there are a whole lot of the same kind of podcasts 
Um, so just doing it while, you know, it's good for, for the person doing it to just do it, but if they want to uh, actually have some hope of grabbing any kind of audience, uh, more than maybe the, just their immediate friends, uh, they've got to do it with some kind of style or flair or something uh, different that everybody else is doing to try to grab some uh, attention. Um, and the other thing I would say is, you know, not get too hung up on, on the equipment. Um, I know a lot of people think that they need to spend a whole lot of money. And yeah, you know, the more money you throw at it, the better your sound and that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, really kind of getting the idea down uh, should come first because if you've got, uh, well, you can't polish a turd as the saying goes. So, you know, if you, you've got a bad idea, um, but you've got great equipment, it's really not going to get you too far. And I guess the final thing is just, you know, remember to have fun. You know, I know, I see I'm on Podcast Pickle quite a bit, and lately I haven't been too much, but uh, getting back into it. And, you know, often I see people who are, you know, maybe a couple months into their podcast that are just really concerned with, you know, how do I know what my numbers are? How do I know what, how many people are, are hearing my podcast and all this kind of stuff? And, you know, if you get too, it, it's good to have an idea. I mean, to maybe watch a trend. What I do is, um, my my feed goes through FeedBurner, and I watch my FeedBurner number. Maybe every day or two, I'll I'll look and see what the count is on according to FeedBurner, and it's not a scientific number as far as I can tell, but it shows trends. I can tell when if I don't put out a podcast for three four weeks, which which I do from time to time, um, I can see the number kind of inching down. And then if I put out a show that people tell me is is good um, or I make an appearance on you know somebody else's podcast and they've got a good following I can see the numbers climb back up again um, and like I said it's not really a, a scientific number but it kind of just gives you a baseline of the trend of what what's going on with your podcast and don't get too hung up on the specific numbers because you'll drive yourself crazy and the final question what's wrong with the computer business I think is I think one of the biggest problems with the with the computer business or industry or market or whatever is that there's a whole lot of uh, there's a whole lot of brand loyalty and brand disloyalty, um, and I think a lot of it is really not based on much more than either good or bad marketing uh, from whoever. I mean, obviously you've got people who, you know say that you can have their apple when you pry it from the cold dead fingers and you have other people who you know get by perfectly fine in life without ever using an apple uh product and you know you wonder how one or the other you know can be so extreme um you know and and i myself have made anti-microsoft comments from time to time in my life and you know they do do some some bad things but they you know they you know obviously they're doing something right in the fact that you know they have such a huge market share. Um, I myself use Linux and I actually get I, I use it quite a bit. I use it um, on a lot of machines at home and, and also in the workplace. And trying to talk to people in the Linux community gets kind of annoying sometimes when they get so hung up on bashing Microsoft that they really don't uh, have much else to say uh, as far as you know. I, I believe in using the right tool for the job. Um, and sometimes that's the Linux operating system, and sometimes that's Windows, and sometimes that's Macintosh. And, um, you know, one might be able to do all of the jobs okay, but, uh, you know, others um, might perform that job better, so why limit yourself? And so I, that's one of the big problems I see is just this uh, 
I don't know, just this, it's kind of like the politics. It's just the refusal to see somebody else's point of view. Um, That's right. I'm right and you're wrong. And, right. and if you use something differently than I'm using and you like it, that's wrong. Correct. And I guess we see that sometimes in podcast forums too, huh? Right. You know, whether it be, you know, you signed with uh, Podshow or you're, you know, you're using this software package or that. And, you know, I don't see that a whole, whole lot as far as, you know, software packages and, and even the, the platform wars you know, sometimes they, they come up, but it seems like most of the time uh, in the podcasting community, when that comes up, it's more of a kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of a thing. But, yeah, you can run into that from time to time. Mark, it's time to play Ask Bill 3. This is where I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, and you get to ask me three questions about anything. So fire away. Okay. Uh, first question, um, I know from past uh, podcasts and also from your short story, uh, that you're into motorcycles. So uh, my first question to you is, what kind of a rider are you uh, as far as um, you just kind of a pleasure cruiser? Are you an aggressive rider? Do you wear a helmet? Uh, do you, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay. I guess from when I used to do the track days and, and some of the racing, I still have a leather suit, a one-piece leather suit that I have in the basement. I haven't got that out too much, but I wore that a lot when I first got my Kawasaki ZX9R. I always wear a helmet. Um, I'm big into the. Is that a is that a law in Iowa, or is that your choice? That that's my choice. Uh, okay. I always like the full face helmets. Um, I've got a helmet from just about every manufacturer, or not every <laughs> manufacturer, but I've got an AGV, a Shui, and an Arai. I prefer the Arai the most is, is probably the most comfortable although the AGV is probably the tightest fit so whenever there there's a lot of wind I always grab the AGV yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big believer in making it a ride and not a race and just being a, a really good defensive driver what's question number two um, actually I had a second part to that first question oh, and okay. that was, what kind of riders scare you Oh, the young riders that are on, like, the small sport bikes, T-shirt and shorts and the girlfriend on the back. And yeah, just that was a pretty go, easy question. You know, they, they know one thing, and that is fast. Okay, uh, question number two is uh, what – I, I just have this kind of jotted down as notes. So what do you do for warm fuzzies? What do you do to get that, that warm fuzzy feeling? Do you uh, – do any kind of volunteering? Do you, uh, you know, tip extra large when you're out to eat? That kind of stuff. Oh, that's a very good question. I have not been asked that question before. I just like to do those random acts of kindness. And for me, if, along the way, I, I always try to say thank you if if I'm being waited on by somebody or if it's. I'm in the grocery store. It's like, you know, you go first. For for right. me, those random acts of kindness are, are kind of what give me those warm and fuzzies. How about for yourself? Um, yeah, similar. I, you know, try to, I try to be courteous and, and all that stuff. Um, as far as the, the donation thing, uh, I actually donate, do donations in other people's names. Uh, and that's kind of a kick. <laughs> um, similar to doing the anonymous thing, but you also kind of, uh, you know, you're kind of giving somebody else uh, some recognition. Um, and 
it's I know that this is kind of simple and silly and fun, but uh, every time I donate blood, I I just get a big grin on my face, like I'm you know saving 20 people or something like that, which I know is a little extreme, but it's uh, it's one of those good feeling things. What's question number three? Okay, um, you seem to really like Fort Dodge, Iowa, and I was wondering if something was going to get you to leave Fort Dodge, what would it be? Oh, big television contract. Yeah. You know, if if for some reason somebody wanted to pick up the concept of you are the guest to make it into a TV show and was given fairly good size amount of money and you know the opportunity to really explore it creatively, it's like, would you stay in Fort Dodge or would you take that chance to go out and and make it your own? It's like, of course I would. Of course I would would always want to go do something like that. So, right. you know, something like that. But at the same time, I think I would always have a residence in, in Fort Dodge because this is not only home, but this is where my family is. So yeah. um, a lot of history here. But uh, that may be only one of the only few things that would do that. But you, you can never say never and, and right. would never say never. That's good. <laughs> good practice. Mark, do you want to tell about your podcast and how people can listen to on a weekly or a monthly basis? Um, sure. Yeah, my podcast, it's uh, its actually, it kind of just grew out of a, a blog that I had, and it's called eBlow the Weblog. Um, and it's the, the URL is eblowtheweblog.com. Uh, where I came up with that name was I really hate the, the word blog, the term blog. It's just a, an ugly word. And so I, instead of shortening web blog down to blog, I took the middle part of web blog, dropped off the W and the G, and came up with eblow. Um, so when it came time to podcast, I just kind of tacked it on that, and now it's eblow the web blog and podcast. So um, I, I was doing a show pretty much one a week, sometimes two a week, and uh, lately it's been down to about well, one every three weeks, four weeks. Um, topics are wide and varied. Sometimes I do uh, kind of music-oriented stuff. Um, where I'm just chatting. Other times I do, I actually do cockpit casts where I do like sound seeing from, from the airplane. And I've heard um, those. Those are very good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, uh, I get a pretty good kick out of doing them. I, I worry that they get too long, but people seem to enjoy them. So uh, my my thought is I'll put it out there, and if somebody gets bored, they just press stop and move on. Um, so, yeah, and those are some of the most fun to do, although they also are some of the most work because I do wind up editing out, you know, the dead air on the radio and that kind of stuff um, to shorten them up as much as I can. Um, so they're a lot of work, but but they are fun. Mark, thank you so much for being our guest this week on You Are the Guest. Hey, no problem. It was a lot of fun. If you'd like to be a guest on a future show, just go to our website at www.youaretheguest.com. Submit your first name, the town where you live, and a short description on why you'd make a good guest. There is no charge for being a guest, and you'll have the opportunity to share what you think and how the news and events from today affect your life. The show's producers will contact you by email if you're chosen for a future show. The Internet's premier destination for great interviews isn't Jay Leno, Larry King, or Good Morning America. 
It's, it's interviews with, with Ronald Lewis. Lewis. Listen to appearances by Southwest Airlines. We will compete vigorously with American at Love Field. Motown recording artist Kim. Friends and having them call the radio station. Million dollar homepages Alex to. All my friends and family encourage them to settle their friends. Become one of thousands of listeners who are discovering interviews with Ronald Lewis online at www.ronaldlewis.com slash interviews. Don't forget that you can listen to the show every day at Coolcast Radio. And of course, we always appreciate your subscriptions at iTunes and Yahoo Podcast. That concludes this week's edition of You Are the Guest from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa. I'm Bill Grady. Thanks for listening. You loved me.
Music provided from the Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com.